All right. Well, I know that uh, we're a little bit different tonight. Uh, we are preparing for our tea on Saturday. And so uh, that's the reason um, that we're turned around like this. So thank you for uh, uh, bearing with us tonight. I want to give you a couple of thoughts uh, before we get into our lesson tonight. First of all, uh, we have this week and next week, and uh, we will conclude the book of Revelation. Uh, the following Wednesday night, which I believe is the 17th or the 18th, I can't remember off the top of my head, um, that will be a uh, night that... First of all, we'll have dinner together, um, and all the proceeds from that dinner will go to uh, Kate Verde, to the trip that we're planning to help uh, raise funds for Kate Verde. And so we'll have dinner together, and then that'll be an awards night for Word of Life. Uh, all of the kids will be in here, all the youth will be in here, everybody will be in here, and uh, we'll have a lot of fun with our kids that have worked so hard all during the year with Word of Life. They'll get all their medals and all their awards, and um, they'll tell you all about what they've done, and uh, we may even bring a few of you up on the stage and play some of their games. <laughs> now you've decided not to come. Um, no, uh, we'll have a great time, uh, and I believe that's the 18th. And then that'll be our last Wednesday night for the summer. We always break for the summer for Wednesday nights, and so that'll be our last Wednesday night for the summer, and we will start back up, I believe it's the second week in August, but there will be two Wednesday nights, one in um, June and one in July, as we do every year. Um, so there'll be a, a June Wednesday night and a July Wednesday night where we come in. We're going to eat dinner uh, together, as we've done in the past. We'll have uh, 30 minutes of breakout sessions. And then at the end, we'll bring everybody back in, and we'll have ice cream and play games and stuff outside um, until uh, you want to go home. So we'll tell you about those dates for June and July. And then when school starts back, at this the Wednesday after school starts back, that we'll start back on Wednesday nights again. All right, so those are the things that are coming up just to give you an idea of where we're going and uh, where we're headed and what's happening, all right? Uh, Revelation chapter number 21 tonight. Revelation chapter 21. Uh, I was uh, not able to be here last week um, due to the flu mageddon that went through our house. Um, it was terrible, and uh, I thank Brother Mike for... Uh, stepping into my stead in the last minute and uh, taking care of things, and so I'm very uh, grateful for that. Um, so what I want to do is just for a couple of minutes is go over last week. Uh, I'm planning on this uh, coming week recording uh, the lesson from what should have been taught last week. Brother Mike went through it, uh, read through it with you, uh, but just kind of some discussion thoughts that I normally throw in. And I'll record that next week and throw it online, and uh, you'll be able to hear it either through our website or through our app, and that'll be just fine. And then, uh, of course, uh, tonight. But last week was lesson one of two as we began the New Jerusalem, uh, uh, talking about the New Jerusalem. So look with me in Revelation chapter number 21, and we're just going to uh, briefly look at this. Uh, Revelation chapter 21, verse number one. And I saw a new heaven and a new earth. For the first heaven and the first earth were passed away, and there was no more sea. And I, John, saw the holy city, New Jerusalem, coming down from God out of heaven, prepared as a bride, adorned for her husband. And so we talked about the major outline of Revelation. It was found in chapter 1 and verse number 19. We found that there were the, the, the present things, or excuse me, the past things, the present things, and the future things. And here in Revelation chapter number 21 is where we begin the future events for the Christian. 
Uh, we've been through all of the tribulation. We've been through the battle of Armageddon. We've been through everything that had to happen leading up to this point. We've even been through the great, uh, the great white throne judgment. And so here we are now. We are the new Jerusalem. Uh, sin has ceased to exist uh, uh, we've been through the millennium, uh, sin has now ceased to exist, and now we are beginning to uh, begin a, a, excuse the terminology, a new life as the new Jerusalem. And so that's where we began in uh, Revelation chapter number 21. First, first thing we talked about last week was the descent of the new Jerusalem. We find that in chapter 21, verses 1 through 8. Uh, we talk about the idea that the new Jerusalem may already be created um, and already waiting for us in heaven, and that, that is why he said, I saw it coming down out of heaven. And uh, that there could be several other interpretations there, uh, but for the sake of argument, we'll just take the scriptures for what it says, that the new Jerusalem is actually coming out of heaven. Now, uh, we talked about the new heaven and the new earth are possible because the first heaven and the first earth are passed away. And uh, no details are given here, but we talked about in Second Peter chapter number three, where we talked about the new, or, or excuse me, the old heaven and the old earth passing away. And then uh, we also talked about the description of New Jerusalem, chapter twenty-one, starting in verse number nine. We said, and there came unto me one of the seven angels, which had the seven vials full, of the seven last plagues, and talked to me, saying, Come hither, I will show thee the bride, the Lamb's wife. Who's the bride? The church is the bride, that's right. The church is the bride. So here we have now the description of the New Jerusalem. We know that the New Jerusalem is not buildings. We talked about that, it's in your notes from last week, that when you talk about a city, you don't say it's a city of 20,000 buildings. You say it's a city of 20,000 people, that's right. So when we talk about the new Jerusalem, the new heaven, and the new earth, it's not necessarily talking about buildings, it's talking about people. And what is the, how many uh, people does the Bible say will be in heaven? Ooh, that's a trick question, Pastor. It's innumerable, remember? Innumerable. That's the word we're looking for. Because the Bible says, <clears throat> excuse me, that even during the tribulation, there's going to be an innumerable number of people that accept Jesus Christ as their personal Savior. So heaven is going to be uh, an innumerable number of people. And uh, we are all going to have tasks. We are all going to be busy. We're all going to be uh, doing what God has called us to do. And then lastly, at the end of the chapter, uh, we talked about the dimensions of New Jerusalem. And I just want to take a moment here uh, and share some things with you. Look at Revelation chapter 21, verse number 15. Revelation 21 and verse number 15. And he that talked with me had a golden reed to measure the city, and the gates thereof, and the wall thereof. And the city lieth four square, and the length is as large as the breadth. And he measured the city with the reed, 12,000 furlongs. The length and the breadth and the height of it are equal. So it's a four square city. It, it is equal sides, and uh, the size of it is amazing. Um, they say that it is about 1,960,000 square miles, which is about a third um, of the United States, or excuse me, three-fourths of the United States. Now you say, Pastor, how is an innumerable number of people going to uh, be able to fit in three-fourths of the United States? Do you understand that most scholars believe that the four-squared city 
is actually not just one level. They believe that it is multi-leveled. And so therefore, you think about this for a moment. We do not know how many levels heaven may be. But even if you just add one more level to heaven, that's another three quarters of the size of the United States. Because it's squared. Then you add another level to that, another three-fourths of the size of the United States. So heaven could be um, a massive, massive place for all of us to enjoy. But you understand that even though we add the new heaven and the new earth, that we're not going to be uh, populating heaven at all times. There, we also have the new earth and, and the jobs in which that we are called to do. And so these are the dimensions of the new Jerusalem, and, uh, which is pretty amazing. Now that leads us to our lesson tonight. Does everybody have an outline? Anybody need an outline? If you need an outline, if you'll raise your hand, we'll get a couple of them to you. Are these the extra ones over here? Here's a few of them. We're going to be in Revelation chapter 21, verse number 18 is where we're going to start. We are starting in the, uh, the second part here of our New Jerusalem. Revelation chapter 21, look at me in verse number 18. This is what the Bible says. The Bible says, And the building of the wall of it was of jasper, and the city was pure gold, like unto clear glass. And the foundations of the wall of the city were garnished with all manner of precious stones. The first foundation was jasper, the second sapphire, the third, uh, I don't even know how to say that word. Anybody got an idea? Okay, good. Um, and the fourth, an emerald. Uh, the fifth is sardonyx. The sixth is sardius. The seventh is, there's that, uh, another one of those words. You get the idea. They're really cool precious stones. You see that? It's like reading through the book of Chronicles. Um, in our study, we have our outline. In our last lesson, we considered the descent, the description, and the dimensions of the New Jerusalem. In this lesson, we'll continue our study in the city. Number one in your outline, the loveliness of the city. The loveliness of the city. To describe the magnificence and beauty of New Jerusalem, John compares the materials to the most precious minerals on earth. He says in verse 18, and the building of the wall of it was jasper. It's jasper. Now, jasper is usually red, yellow, brown, or green. Back in verse 11, when John saw the walls, he said they were like jasper stone, clear as crystal. The city itself was pure gold, like unto clear glass. I want you to really just kind of try to use your imagination for a moment. When you think about what the city and the magnificence and the beauty of New Jerusalem is going to be like. I mean, it is going to be so pure. It is going to be so amazing uh, to see and, and, and to look at. I mean, you think about, uh, 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 they were like a jasper stone, clear as crystal. Think about something that, that is very expensive, crystal. And you think about how, beauty it, how beautiful it is. And the city itself was pure gold, like unto clear glass, the Bible says in verse number 18. And so it is just, it's just going to be an amazing sight to see. Here's what I always know. This is what I know. God always prepares his best for his people. Are you with me? God always prepares the best for his people. 
You know, when we're down here on earth, we go through troubles and trials and we go through situations in our life and we wonder, where is God at in all this? He's always right in the middle of it. And, and when we get to the other side of it, we always have a tendency to look back and we go, oh, now I see what God was doing. It's clear as crystal. And you know what? God was doing the right thing for me. And so here we have in our passage of scripture, we have God preparing a place for us that is going to be beyond any uh, thing that we can imagine. When I was in Romania, we went to this castle called the Castle Pele. And uh, you walked into this place, and uh, you weren't even allowed to take pictures inside of it. They wouldn't let you take pictures. The only way you could take pictures is if you paid uh, 20 American dollars, and there was only certain places that you could take pictures in. And as we walked into this place, it was one of those places that when you walked in, you took your hands and you went like this. Because you were so afraid you were going to break something. I mean, everything was, was sculpted. Everything was, was, I mean, it was gorgeous. and It was beautiful. But I remember as we got about halfway through that castle, I was with uh, about 20 uh, other people on a mission trip. And we got through, on a mission trip, we were in a castle. Um, we were uh, about halfway through this castle. And I remember one of the guys turned around and he, this is what he said to me. He said, Pastor. I said, yeah. He said, can you imagine heaven is going to be like a million times more beautiful than this? Well, you know what? He's right. My uh, eyes have not seen, nor ears have heard. Right? But God hath prepared for them that love him. And uh, it's going to be an amazing, an amazing place. Also in verse 11, John said, The city had the glory of God, and her light was like unto a stone most precious. From all this, we can see that the light of God's glory will shine through the city and its walls, making it a huge holy of holies that radiates the presence of God. Verse 19 says, The foundations of the wall of the city were garnished with all manner of precious stones. The identity of some of these stones is uncertain, but we can be sure their beauty is indescribable. Our God is a God of beauty, for it is he who painted the butterfly's wings and dipped the robin's breast in red. It is he who draped the setting sun with breathtaking yellow and orange and made the rainbow's translucent colors. God made everything that is beautiful and the most gorgeous of all of his creation will be the new Jerusalem. What an amazing, amazing thought. The other day, my Samuel, we were outside uh, we were cu- I was cutting the yard, and we have this rose bush. My Samuel was over there because they have, you know, those little pretend bubble lawnmowers, you know what I'm talking about? And they chase you around as you're mowing the yard, and all of a sudden they're right up on you. But he, he started yelling my name, Dad, Dad, Dad. And so I turned off the mower and went over, and I said, what are you looking at? And there was this beautiful, I mean, this gorgeous butterfly that was right on top of one of the roses. And this is what he said to me. He said, Dad. I said, what? He said, that is beautiful. And I said, you got to be very quiet if you don't want it to go anywhere. He said, but I want to touch it. I said, well, he's not going to let you touch him. And he just stood there in awe at this butterfly. And the butterfly would just open his wings and then close his wings back. And then after a minute or so, of course, it flew off. And you know what? As, a, as an adult, sometimes we take things like that for granted. But for about a minute, I stood and I watched this butterfly. 
And I began to realize and remember the beauty of God's creation. And I'm telling you, if God can create something as beautiful as a butterfly, or I'll look at some of your Facebooks sometimes, and they'll have pictures of the sunset here in Carrollton. And uh, it's gorgeous. I mean, it's just gorgeous. And to think if God can do that, imagine, only imagine what heaven is really going to be like. Um, now, uh, so he, he, he just made it. Each of the massive gates, I'm, I'm in the third paragraph here. Each of the massive gates was of one pearl in verse 21. Our earth knows of no pearls such a size, just as we know of no precious stones the size of foundations. When we speak of pearly gates, now I, this is something that we really need to think about uh, because you may have a misunderstanding of the idea of pearly gates. When we speak of pearly gates, we do not mean a gate with several small pearls on it. Rather, these gates will each be made out of a single pearl. When you talk about pearly gates, that word pearly in the, um, in the Greek is a singular word. And so when we talk about having pearly gates, it is one pearl on this gate. Can you imagine a pearl the size of a gate? I mean, when you think about pearls, I think about a pearl necklace, you know. And, uh, but this is going to be one huge, massive uh, pearl. So rather, these gates will be made out each out of a single pearl. Through the, though the scripture does not say so, it could extend upward to the height of the great wall, permitting access to all levels of the holy city. Now, verse 21. Let's look at verse 21 together. And the twelve gates were twelve pearls... Every, uh, every several gate was of one pearl, and the street of the city was pure gold, as it were, transparent glass. Such a pure gold, as it were, transparent glass. I remember whenever um, I was planning to ask my wife to marry uh, me, we went to the, I went to the jewelry store, and uh, there was a wide range of prices for these gold bands. I didn't know anything, all right? So I walk up to the guy and I go, so tell me, is there any difference between that $200 one and that $20,000 one? Because they certainly look the same to me. He said, really? I said, yeah, they really do. And uh, so he pulls out the $200 one and he pulls out the $20,000 one. About that time, the guard walked over. And uh, he took this little thing. I don't even know what you call it. And he said, now take this and hold that ring up to it and tell me what you see. And I said, okay. So I grabbed the $200 one. I looked at it and I thought, that looks pretty good. I grabbed that $20,000 one and I went, whoa. There is a huge, huge difference. And he goes, so what you doing? I said, well, I'm getting married. He said, so you want the $20,000 one? I said, not today. <laughs> but you know, it's a, when you think about that, when you think about the purity of gold, and the Bible tells us that the, the, the streets of gold are going to be so pure as it were transparent glass. What an amazing, amazing thought. Verse 21 said that the street of, uh, of the city was pure gold, as it were, transparent glass. The street, or more literally, the central square, was a beautiful sunshine color of the finest gold. So pure that it was translucent, allowing the light of God's glory 
to permeate the city. What an amazing, and amazing thought. Number two in your outline. Life within the city. Life within the city. Look at me in verse number 22. And we'll read down through the end of the chapter here. Verse 22, the Bible says, And I saw no temple therein, for the Lord God Almighty and the Lamb are the temple of it. And the city had no need of the sun, neither of the moon to shine in it. For the glory of God did lighten it, and the Lamb is the light thereof. And the nations of them which are saved shall walk in the light of it. And the kings of the earth do bring their glory and honor unto it. And the gates of it shall not be shut at all by day. For there shall be no night there, and they, shall bring the, and they shall bring the glory and honor of the nations into it. And there shall in no wise enter into it anything that defileth, neither whatsoever worketh abomination, or maketh a lie, but they which are written in the Lamb's book of life. First of all, the new Jerusalem will have no temple therein. For the Lord God Almighty and the Lamb are the temple of it. Chapter 21 and verse number 22. There will be no reason to have places of worship anymore. Because we will be worshiping the Lamb who is there. The King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. And uh, I, can only, I, I can only imagine, like the song says, I, I can only imagine the, the, the very thought of being in the presence of the Lamb of God. And, and really understanding, as we have for now uh, since September, all that God has done through this time period. And now, here we are with the Lamb of God, and we're worshiping Him uh, uh, constantly. And uh, there's no need for a temple because He is there. The city does not require a temple because Christ is there, and the temple was merely a shrine symbolizing God's holiness and presence. Actually, the whole city is a temple in which God will dwell since it is patterned after the Holy of Holies. We saw that in verse number 16. Look with me again. And the city lieth four square, and the length is as large as the breadth. And he measured the city with the reed, uh, 12,000 uh, furlongs. The length and the breadth and the height of it are equal, just as um, the, the, holies of, the Holy of Holy was. This seems to indicate a full and unrestricted access to him. Can you imagine? Full and unrestricted access to God. Meaning that you can just go to him anytime you want to. You can, but I'm talking face to face. I'm talking face to face. I mean, you know, some, sometimes you ever been praying and you wonder, we know he is, but you ever been praying and you wonder, is God really listening to me? You ever feel that way sometimes? You feel like, is God really hearing me? Is he really listening to me? And he is. He's listening and he's understanding. But can you imagine being able to actually go face to face and see him face to face? Listen, I don't know about you, but I probably won't even have the words to even say anything. Because we'll be in the presence of the Shekinah glory. And uh, it's just going to be an amazing time. No longer will he be confined to the Holy of Holies, which could only be entered by the high priest, as we talked about uh, in the Old Testament. And never again will there be a need for a priest to mediate on our behalf. You say, Pastor, why, why did we put that in there? Because if you remember, when we transitioned to the millennium, we went back to Old Testament worship. And so now here we are uh, as, uh, in the New Jerusalem, and we're talking about the idea of a temple in the Holy of Holies. There'll be no mediation process, just as there is now, 
uh, Jesus Christ as we go directly to him uh, with our prayers and our thoughts. When we talk about here in the New Jerusalem, there's nothing that stands between me and God. I can go directly to him anytime I need. Verse 24 through verse 26 present a beautiful picture of the nations and the kings of the earth bringing their glory and honor to the new city. Apparently, residents of the New Jerusalem will have unlimited access to the new earth. We can speculate here that the New Jerusalem will be our residence and the new earth a place of service. There is no danger within or without the holy city for the gates, um, that should say are, are never shut. Therefore, the gates are entrances and not barriers. So, the idea could be that our place of residence where we will live is in the new heaven or the new Jerusalem, and the new earth is our place of service. And so, yes, uh, by that statement, as we've talked about previously, we're not going to be sitting around doing nothing. You understand that, right? We're going to be serving the Lord. We're going to be doing what He has called us to do. Many have asked me that question. What is it exactly that we are going to be doing? I don't exactly know, but I know that God will take care of it all. He, he will assign it. He will uh, uh, allow us to do it. As we mentioned before, the Bible says that if we are faithful in a few things, He will make us a ruler over many. And so we are just now, as we live our lives here on earth, the things that we do here on earth really do matter. The things that we do for God, because they are preparing for the things that to come, for the life after this. And so they really do uh, matter. We're going to be busy doing the things of God. There is no danger within or without the holy city, uh, because we realize that the gates are never shut. They're simply uh, entrances and not Barriers. John further describes, I'm in the last paragraph on this page, what life will be like in the New Jerusalem by saying, There shall in no wise enter into it anything that defileth, neither whatsoever worth uh, uh, abomination evil or taketh a lie. What an amazing thought. There is going to be no sin. Can you even imagine that? I mean, there is going to be no sin. When somebody tells you something, it'll be the truth. You don't have to worry about it. Right? You don't have to worry about anybody stabbing you in the back. You don't have to worry about anybody talking bad about you. You know, it's just going to be a place of perfection. And uh, it's going to be a place uh, of great uh, love. It's going to be a place of great service. It's going to be a place of great worship. Now, this does not imply, because there are some... Uh, philosophers who have taken this uh, to the extreme, um, this does not imply that sinful people will be roaming outside the holy city, but rather it is a warning to those who read the book that the only way to participate in the activities of the New Jerusalem is by having one's name written in the book of life. Do you understand that? The the only way that we're going to get to heaven is if our name is written in the book of life. This isn't going to be that those that are saved are on the inside of the city and those that are unsaved are on the outside of the city. Where are those that are unsaved? In the lake of fire. We've already talked about that. And so this is our warning again that we need to find ourselves in the book of life. Those that defile, workers of evil, all liars, anyone who does not have their name in the book of life have already been dispatched to their eternal home. Number three. The landscape of the city. 
the landscape of the city. Chapter 22, verse number 1. The landscape of the city. And he showed me a pure river of water of life, clear as crystal, proceeding out of the throne of God and of the Lamb. In the midst of the street of it, and on either side of the river, was there the tree of life, which bare twelve manners of fruits, and yielded her fruit every month. And the leaves of the tree were for healing of the nations. And there shall be no more curse, but the throne of God and of the Lamb shall be in it, and his servants shall serve him. And they shall see his face, and his name shall be in their forehead. And there shall be no night, and they need no candle, neither light of the sun. For the Lord giveth them all light, and they shall reign forever and ever. In John chapter 22 and verse number 1, John moves inside the city and begins to describe the beautiful landscape. First he said there is a pure river of water of life, clear as crystal. This phrase, clear as crystal, is frequently used in this section to emphasize the heavenly entities in the New Jerusalem are free of all impurities and therefore are clear and sparkling. When I was probably uh, 15 or 16 years old, uh, my Sunday school teacher uh, at the time, uh, he, matter of fact, he visited here a few weeks ago, um, Gene Gardner, he took us in his boat to a place called Silver Springs. Anybody ever heard of Silver Springs? Okay. Uh, I had always been to the park. It was a park, and you could go in, and you get in the glass-bottom boat, and they had all these pretend um, ships that sank, and, you know, gold and all that. Yeah, mermaids, all that kind of stuff, yeah. Well, he took us uh, through the backside, where, like, uh, only you can go if you have a boat. And so we go back through there, and there were real uh, ships, I remember this, there, there, were, there weren't a lot of them, they were just like little, not ships, that's not the right word, like boats that had sank. And what the neatest thing was, is as we were there, you're not allowed to fish or anything, but while you're there, the fish, they're not scared of the boats, because these glass bottom boats go around all the time. So here are these huge fish, I don't even know what they are, but they're huge, and they're like coming right up to the side of the boat, I mean, you can literally reach down and just pick them up and have snacks. Um, and, uh, I mean, it was just amazing, but what was so cool was, is it was, I mean, you could see all the way to the bottom. I mean, it was just crystal clear. And as I'm sitting there and I'm watching the beauty of this and just thinking to myself, I mean, this is so, so really, it's really cool to see all these fish and all the things that are, that are there in the wildlife that God has placed here. And I begin to think about heaven now, and I begin to think about that's exactly what heaven's like. It's just crystal clear. It's almost as if, it's almost as if like I was there on that day. It was almost as if, uh, I, I, in my mind, I thought, you know what, this, this is really neat if you could fish, because you could almost watch the fish just jump right onto the pole and pull them out. There's no guessing game. And that's exactly what God's done with heaven when we get there. He's just rolled the guessing game in, in the thought processes of Revelation and let us see it. For our own selves and just as crystal clear as possible. Everything is just sparkling without any impurities. This scene is reminiscent of the river in the Garden of Eden. Genesis chapter 2 and verse number 10. The source of the water of life is the throne of God and of the Lamb. The throne of God is the source of life and pleasure to those who have their names written in the book of life. Not only is there a river of water of life, but also in the midst of the street of it, and on either side of the river, was the tree of life. 
Apparently, the tree can be picked from on either side of the river. That's how big this thing is. So if you don't like fruit right now, you probably ought to get a liking for it. Okay? Uh, I mean, it's going to be, it's going to be amazing. Uh, the tree of life seems to be uh, similar to the tree that we find in Genesis chapter number 3. Uh, verses 22 through 24. I'm going to just turn there real fast. Genesis chapter number 3 and read it to you. Genesis chapter 3, verse number 22. The Bible says, uh, And the Lord said, uh, God said, Behold, the man has become as one of us to know good and evil. This is after the sin had taken place and they had eaten of the fruit. And now lest he put forth his hand and take also of the tree of life and eat and live forever... Therefore, the Lord God sent him forth from the Garden of Eden to till the ground from whence he was taken. So he drove out the man and placed at the east of the Garden of Eden cherubims and a flaming sword, which turned every way to keep the way of the tree of life. And so here we have this tree that is very similar to what we find in the book of Genesis as literally uh, um, a, a tree right in the midst of the river of the water of life. Now the tree bore 12 manner of fruit and yielded her fruit every month. It's like the fruit of the month club. I mean, it's just there. It, it, it bears the fruit. There is no end to its fruit bearing. As the tree of life provides variety and delight without interruption to the inhabitants of the city for all of eternity. Let me just say this. I'm going to stop here for just a moment in all seriousness. God... God, everything God designs, he, he designs for a Christian to enjoy. You know, when we talk about, here we talk about the tree of life. We talk about, you know, God's going to make this for our, or he's made this for our pleasure and our enjoyment. And, and that's what heaven is. Heaven is going to be a place that we enjoy. It's going to be a place that we, that whatever God has created and whatever he has made for us, is going to be for our pleasure and our enjoyment. Let me say this. That even in your life today, the things that God has prepared for you, the things that God has made for you, the life that He has prepared for you, He has made it for you to enjoy. Now, obviously, the Bible gives us parameters to our enjoyment because we are still sin-natured creatures. But there is no one that should not enjoy life. Because that's the way God designed it to be. Because the Bible says the joy of the Lord is what? My strength. He provides that joy for us. We should be happy Christians. We should live a happy life. Because listen, the, this is just a preparation for the next life. And it's going to be a place of great enjoyment and great pleasure. Now, the Bible, or it goes on to tell us uh, that uh, there is no need to uh, into its fruit bearing, and the tree of life provides variety and delight without interruption to the inhabitants of the city for all eternity. Not only does the tree produce uh, luscious fruit, but the leaves of the tree were of healing uh, of the nations. This raises an interesting question as to the necessity for healing where sickness no longer exists. 
The explanation lies in the proper translation of the Greek word therapia, which is where we get our word therapy. Um, It is translated healing here, but actually should be health giving. Thus, it seems that the leaves of this tree will give invigoration and exhilaration. So we will enjoy perfect physical and mental health. Won't that be a great day? Uh, to enjoy perfect mental and physical health. Health. We, we have no more pains, right? Uh, no more suffering. No more uh, 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 senior moments of forgetting things. It's, it's all right there. And he provides that for us. This, this idea of this tree will give invigoration and exhilaration so that we will enjoy perfect physical and mental health. The phrase, and there shall be no more curse in chapter 22 and verse number 3, takes us back to where all the problems began in Genesis chapter number 3, and that's the fall, of course. The phrase, and his servants shall serve him, indicates the holy city will not just be a place of rest and singing, but also productivity and service. And we've talked about that in detail uh, over the past months. As we seek to serve him here on earth, we are hampered by our selfishness, preoccupation with the world and sin, but in heaven all hindrances will be gone. However, more important than the absence of evil will be the privilege of seeing God forever. Moreover, there are even more blessings, as John says in chapter 22 and verse number 4. Look what it says. And they shall see his face, and his name shall be in their foreheads. This fulfills the promise of several scriptures. And as we've done in the past... I'm just going to ask a few of you if you will read them. So who will take Matthew chapter 5 and verse number 8? Matthew chapter 5 and verse number 8. All right, Brother Gerald. Who will take 1 Corinthians 13, 12? Who's I will? All right, Daniel. And uh, who will take 1 John 3, 2? One more. I just need one more. 1 John 3, 2. Okay. Oh, down here. All right. You got it? Who's got it? We're going to fight over it. We're good? You got it. Okay. All right. Um, Matthew chapter 5 and verse number 8. Brother Gerald. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. The Bible tells us in Revelation chapter 22 and verse number 4, and they shall see his face. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. That was a promise that God made uh, at the Sermon on the Mount. God, or Jesus made it on the Sermon on the Mount. Jesus said, blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. In other words, blessed are those that strive to serve God, that strive to be pure in everything that they do, for they shall see God. 1 Corinthians 13, 12, Daniel. Good. Read the first part of that verse again. There we go. For now we see in a mirror dimly. What does that mean? What does the Bible say that the the Bible is? It's a mirror. Remember, it's a mirror. It shows us who we really are. And as we look at this idea of Jesus, he he is now just, uh, we just see a small glimpse of who he really is. But on this day, we are going to see him face to face for all that he is. All right, 1 John 3, 2. Yeah, we're going to be like him 
because we're going to see him just as he is. There's our promise. John also says in Revelation 22, 4, and his name shall be in their foreheads. This could be similar to the priestly attire of Aaron in Exodus chapter number 28. We're not going to take time to read that tonight, but you should go home and read Exodus chapter 28, where, and we've actually read it in the past, where it talks about the whole attire of a priest and all that they should be, uh, all, all what their garments are and, and what they are, are supposed to do and what they're supposed to have. And their name is to be inscribed in them. And so here we have literally an inscription that we are uh, of the King of Kings and that we are of the Lord of Lords. However this is done, it will be our privilege to have the Lord's name on our foreheads forever. Although previously mentioned, John again says, And there shall be no more night there, and they uh, need no candle, neither light of the sun. This means there will be no need for light, either inside or outside. For the Lord giveth the lights. Not only will we serve the Lord in heaven, but we will also reign forever and ever. This could mean each of us will have an assigned dominion to develop and use for the good of the eternal kingdom. However, very few details are given about this. We see an an alliteration to it in Revelation chapter 1 and verse number 6 and Revelation chapter 5 and verse number 10. But this is what I do know, that we're going to be busy. We're going to be serving the Lord. We're not just going to be sitting around doing nothing. Serving the Lord is not a temporal event. It is an eternal event. So let us serve the Lord with gladness. Listen, church, you know, we have so much to look forward to. But this is what I want to say. You know, we, we've, we've gotten this far. And, and, and when we talk about the new Jerusalem, it becomes very exciting. It becomes Uh, We we become very awestruck with the things that God has prepared for us. But can I tell you that God has commissioned every one of us to continue to be busy here on earth. To continue to serve the Lord here. We are to always be abounding in the work of the Lord. This is just again preparation for what we'll be doing in heaven. And that is the fact that we'll be serving the Lord. And so I want to challenge you and I want to encourage you tonight that... Even with the beauty of heaven, even with the awestruckness of who God is and seeing him face to face, that we continue to be busy doing what God has called us to do. Any questions tonight? All right, good. I'm sorry? With what? One more week. Yeah, we have one more, one more week. Um, next week will be our last week. Um, in the book of Revelation, and uh, we will uh, talk about the last invitation that was given um, in the book of Revelation. Let me uh, talk to you about a couple of things before I go. My uh, lovely wife has left me some notes. Except I don't know what I did with them. Are they back there? Oh, good. Let's see. Aha, uh-huh, thank you. Um, in preparation for Saturday... Um, if anyone that would like to, um, 9.30 on Friday morning, uh, we're going to meet here, men, women, doesn't matter who it is, and uh, begin to put together all the food for Saturday. And uh, so if you'd like to come help us make sandwiches and other things, uh, we're just going to set a table up and you can sit down and help slather some bread and throw some uh, good food on there. And uh, we'll cut them up and get them all ready and put them in the refrigerator for um, Saturday, so 9.30 uh, on Friday morning, and then on Saturday at noon, um, if there are any men that would like to come uh, and help us 
uh, our ladies help us to get ready uh, by putting uh, the um, tea on the table and all that kind of stuff. You can do that at noon. And then, of course, at 3.30, we need a group of men to come back and help us clean up. And so if you could help with any of those areas or all of those areas, um, it would be a huge blessing. I also want to remind you that uh, Sunday is Mother's Day. Don't forget... It's important, it's Mother's Day. Um, and uh, we will not have Sunday school on Sunday because it is Mother's Day. Um, but uh, we will have our regular 1030 service. And uh, of course, all of the ladies in our church will receive a gift. And uh, it'll, be a, it'll be a great day as we honor um, the ladies in our church. Um, those that are mothers, um, those that are grandmothers, those that um, have not had the privilege of being a mother... Um, or those that are not married yet, whatever the case might be, we're going to celebrate all of them, and because uh, that's the way I like to do it, you know. And so it'll be a lot of fun. We'll have a, a good time uh, looking at the Word of God, of course, and worshiping together in song and in our fellowship. Well, thank you for being here tonight. Uh, thank you for praying for our family as we've been trying to get over this uh, illness. And uh, thank you for uh, worshiping with us. Let's pray tonight. Father, we love you. Thank you that we've had the opportunity to come tonight and look at the word of God. Lord, I pray that you'll bless us. Give us a great rest of the night, great rest of the week. And we look forward to worshiping with you on Sunday. Lord, we love you. In Jesus' name, amen. God bless you. Have a great week.